And good morning all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. April 25th, uh, we're referring to this as the in and out episode. Biden is in, Tucker is out. Rob's in for the entire uh, extra period today. I don't know, we're going to get outside today because it's lovely. I don't know, I was trying to come up with it in and out. Uh, Doug Padger from Minneapolis. Hey, Rob Ryersey outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas, in a secret bunker. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Dan. How are things over in West Michigan? Greetings. Uh, it's great. Everything's everything great. Looks, everything looks bright and sunny? No, it's cloudy, rainy. It's, oh, you know, shit. April showers, bring May flowers well. time. Yeah, well, we're good. I mean, I, I know we're gonna we're gonna talk today with this theme of in and out. Did I tell you last week about the the cat that is attempting to join our family? Yeah, where's yeah, the cat? Did, yeah. Is the cat in or out? The cat, the cat is still in and trying to get in, and we're trying to hold it out. It has been named. It's been named now. Uh, the cat has the a name. A... The cat's Tucker. name is Nudge. Nudge. Yes. How do you because spell that? With a U or two O's? With a U. Oh. Nudge seemed I nudge was a word that we picked up when we lived in Staten Island, and I don't think it's super common elsewhere. So it's not but a, nudge. a nudge. A, yeah, a nudge is someone who is just you know mm. constantly nudging you because they want something. Mm. Okay. N- nudge and oh, uh, so an appropriate yeah. name for this cat. Yes. Yeah. Who. You know, got into the house yesterday. Um, how, how does a cat just get in the house? Do you? Do well, you, uh, you know, Vanessa w- works windows, um, doors. <clears throat> yeah, Vanessa burrowing. works uh, in the garage. Um, okay, in her studio, which is the garage, and was working yesterday with the door open because it was a beautiful day, and uh, and our garage has a cat door into the house because we keep our our kitty litter in oh, the uh, in the garage. Right in the middle of Vanessa's studio, by the way, which is just great because it's not in my office. It's, you know, in the middle of her work. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, came in the house. And Vanessa chased it in and took it back out. So in and out. Well, a, a tale of warning. A friend of mine had a cat situation similar. I uh, left his patio door open. Stray cat wandered in. He decided, oh, I guess I have a cat friend. Let it stay the night. And then in the morning, his kids were coming over, and he's like, I got to get rid of this cat so the kids don't get attached to the cat. Uh, Tries to, you know, get the cat out. The cat violently attacks him. Claw marks, bite marks. He has to go see a doctor, make sure he doesn't have rabies. There you go. It's uh, it's, uh, best to just avoid these cat situations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let Let that stray cat strut right out of that house and uh if the cat's out of the bag rob don't let him in the don't let him in the house that's all i'm saying uh well boy hey big news yesterday uh when when the news that don lemon was fired from cnn which who knows what's going on there um other than the fact that if you've ever watched don lemon seems like a tremendously nice man and a really in my view just a terrible news anchor and person i just find him to be you know not offensive or anything like that i mean i, I know other people really despise him for his politics they think he's too anti-trump but i you can't be in my in my book but i just find him to be just bad at his, his job so finally you know they moved him to the morning slot and the big rearrange and then didn't just dumped him and apparently did 
told his agent that he no longer works for CNN. Yes. And then his agent yes. called him and then he tweeted it. <laughs> like that is really, really something. Uh, shocking. Like just shocking. shock like not shocking that he was let go by CNN. I um rarely ever watch CNN. I rarely ever mm. watch any cable news. Uh I have no opinion about Don Lemon at all. Um okay. other than, you know, hearing kind of rumors that he has been uh, accused of a variety of things um, by uh, by female staffers and whatnot. And just, you know, mm. so I kind of put him in that category of like, here's guys that I'm glad I don't really know all that much about. But the news that, <laughs> that he, I mean, he's a kind of a big deal in cable news. Oh, was, yeah. yeah, for sure. Did, did not, was not given the respect of a, of a phone call, of a, Hey Don, um, you know we've decided to go in another direction. Just time here is telling yeah. his agent, who then tells him, "Right, crazy, right." It's like, it's like dying of an aneurysm when God does that to people. Just no warning, not even a phone call. Just just <laughs> pop, pop, and that's it. Like it's just no way to treat a person. Really, aneurysms the 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 rude way to die, and and being fired like this. But in all honesty, both for him and for Tucker Carlson who are, okay, public figures, yes, TV personalities for sure. That's what their role is. You don't really fire any employee like this, do you? Like your standard employee who's going to be let go, you don't normally just like communicate sideways to them. It's, I, I don't know, I find it to be, maybe it's because they're celebrities that this has to, they don't want it to leak out. They just need it to be crisp and clean and all the rest. But anyway, big shakeup in what a year ago was evening cable news, which to yeah. a lot of people is still a primary place, not only to get their own news coverage, but that sets the agenda or reinforces a political agenda. And uh, there was there was rumor at CNN that they were trying to get they were trying to become a bit more moderate, a bit more middle of the road, I should say, a bit more middle of the road, and have people on all the sides talking about uh, politics from from their their own perspective, and not just from what has become increasingly anti-Trump perspective at CNN. Um, so if that's what this is about, I guess I guess maybe it makes some sense. Um, do you think there's anything to the fact that these these two people are let go on the same at the same time over the same weekend, like announced on the same day? That, that both news anchors is there is there is there, uh, is there a connection between the two of them that we don't that, that we don't currently know about any and you know do you know anything or do you have any suspicions or you just think that's just how it goes total coincidence I okay. I think well let's spend a little more time on Tucker Carlson because that one seems yeah. to be a little more for cause it it, it seems to me uh, I find Tucker Carlson to be embarrassing in in where you know what his persona has been over the years. Tucker Carlson has been around a long time. I, unlike you, Rob, have watched many, many hours of cable television at all kinds of varieties. When he was yeah. back on CNN as a as a young journalist wearing bow ties, bow ties and trying yep. to make a trying to make a brand for himself, I appreciate a person that picks a fashion item and and wears it consistently. Yeah, I, and I, when I was in sales, I uh, I always I had to wear a suit and tie every day, and I decided to wear bow ties. Uh, as a it totally as a personal brand, so people would remember me as the bow tie guy. So I, I and then Tucker stole that from you, like yeah. he stole all of our grandparents. I, I like the idea that you were the bow tie guy before there was the pillow guy and the yeah. my pillow guy. Yeah, 
<laughs> the my bow tie guy. And I just, I just don't believe Tucker Carlson. I've never believed his acts. Yes. I, I, I mean, I, I know that. Look, c- cable news um, people, especially on Fox, are performers, and the re- and the right, political right, and religious right is even more performative than other political um, approaches, in my view. Meaning that they have characters that they develop over time, more a la, you know, I guess reality television or professional wrestling kind of uh, mm-hmm. shtick that they're that they're running all the time but he was just never believable to me in right. the stuff that he was doing like it seemed like when he would go home to Connecticut or working out of his home studio I think it's in Connecticut where he lives you know on a you know multi-million dollar multi-acre uh, compound he's not really buying all of this stuff that he was pitching right. on Fox he in my view he was pitching totally. this the January 6th denialism, the pro-Putin nonsense. I mean, all that stuff, he was, he was uh, fulfilling a role in the, in the system. So to me, I'm like, good, I'm glad that they've gotten rid of a guy who's just playing up that role. Um, and, then, and then he did it in, in such a way that uh, he, he, I think, just really inflamed a lot of people's hatred for other Americans. He, he was, a, you know, in the, in the world that, that's not us and you in America, us and them, or us versus them, this, this, this taxonomy of thinking about how we can live, that we can have a world where it's a group of people and other groups of people that share the country or groups of people who compete with other groups of people for power we can get along there. But we can't have a country built around us or them. It seems like Tucker Carlson's brand was increasingly over the last number of years becoming the us or them person, communicating a narrative that liberals and the left were trying to remove you and his view on replacement theory and all just all the stuff that was Tucker Carlson. I'm, I'm personally glad to see it go. I'm not sure they won't refill it with another person that's much the same. Yeah. So that was a winning, winning formula for him at Fox. Yeah. I mean, with Tucker Carlson, what you've got is some, I, a couple of things. One, Doug, I completely and utterly agree with you that he is a charlatan and a fraud. Um, you know, I, text messages about how much he hates Donald Trump, and then he mm-hmm. fawns over him in an interview. Like, I mean, this is a guy that is like Stephen Colbert-esque when he had his Comedy Central show, like yeah, playing a character. Like, I, So now, the problem with the character that he plays mm-hmm. is that Tucker Carlson is um, someone who um, makes the worst extreme ideas, philosophies, beliefs palatable to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Like when you begin to when you begin to think about like replacement theory, um, yeah. you know where where white people are being replaced by by you know immigrants, you know brown and black people who are going to you know take their jobs and take their land and all all of like some of the worst like the yeah. worst impulses, the worst, most extreme things that frankly, most Americans, maybe, I mean, I think it used to be this way, 
like most Americans would have this like sense of like, no, that's not okay. Like that's right. the stuff we fought against in World War II. This is that's not okay. And so it was it was reserved to uh, remain in at the extremes, and frankly, like didn't didn't show its face in the light of day all that often. Fox News comes along, and Tucker Carlson over the last several years, I think, has been really the the face of this as someone who has made those beliefs palatable, um, explaining them, talking about them in a more measured and moderate way than, and I'm, and I'm saying moderate in the sense of tone and approach as opposed to actual beliefs. Yeah. Um, you know, like not with the, you know, I, Compared to a a normal, rational person, Tucker Carlson is, like, crazy and extreme. But compared to the crazy and extreme people, Tucker Carlson is, like, Ivy League suit-wearing, you know, wish he was still wearing a bow tie. Like, this is, like, this isn't the guy that you would, like, hang out with and have a beer on a Friday night talking about you know, this isn't someone you take to the gun range with you. Like this is, but what he did is he made these extreme ideas palatable, and um, in you know in politics, there's this idea of what's called the Overton window, which is the Overton window is a, a window of beliefs, ideas, policy um, approaches that are within the realm of acceptable. Where people think, oh, oh, yeah, that's that that's acceptable. That's that's you know realistic. That's understandable. And so you talk about shifting the Overton window. And so you know, for in the past, um, you know, the idea of America having you know universal health care, you know, through the eighties and nineties, like that was shut down. Like Hillary Clinton, when leading Bill Clinton's health care thing, was you know just nearly crucified for suggesting it. It was outside of the Overton window. Uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign for president, you know, it shifts the Overton window. And now there's a a number of Americans who think, yeah, universal health care, that like that's something the 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 understanding of what's acceptable or possible gets moved. What Tucker Carlson did is he moved the Overton window towards extremism in yeah. particularly racism the the white replacement theory the isolationism he, he made that acceptable to far too many americans and and frankly i think tucker carlson is like a like a gateway drug to extremism yeah i think that's i think that's the way to say it uh, look the I've been thinking a lot about this. So I have some thoughts that are not fully together yet, but let me try them out. Some some organizations, some parts of our industries, and I actually think religion should be talked about in this in these terms. But so can news outlets. Sometimes, what a, a, a religion or a news outlet is trying to do is to create a way of thinking. Another function that they play is that they allow for 
a way of thinking, right? And mo we want most of our news stations to allow for certain ways of thinking, right? We don't want them, um, yeah, we, we don't want them generally finding the most bizarre ways of thinking and promoting it, right? You sort of think that other newsmakers are going to be generating ideas and the news outlets are going to report on those. And different news outlets will allow for or will challenge or will condemn certain ways of thinking. But what you really don't want is a news channel being the channel that is pushing, creating, generating the source code for the actual bad ideas. And that's where Tucker Carlson really jumped lanes. He hmm. became not a person interviewing or allowing for obscure ideas that are around on the right uh, and the, on the super fringy political right and social right to be aired. He wasn't just doing that. He was actually promoting them. He was actually a content creator of the ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Where it used to be that people would say like, boy, you watch Fox and they'll get some pretty wacky people on there. Or, you know, you listen to MSNBC and you get some people with some fringy ideas. But generally, you don't want the, the commentators or the hosts to be the ones generating that stuff. You might tolerate it if they put up with it. It's, it's the way I think about, about evangelicalism a lot. Like some people think that evangelicals produce racists and bigots. I don't think that's how it works. I think what happens is evangelicalism tolerates racism and bigotry and doesn't interrogate it and doesn't drive it out. But you're really not going to evangelical or Bible-believing people as the source for bigotry and hatred. What it needs to do is drive it out for sure, but it just tends to tolerate it, puts up with it, allows it to exist and flourish. That's the thing that has made Tucker Carlson particularly different. And this is, I mean, I think that Rush Limbaugh was this way. Right. And I think that yes. in some ways, you know, um, uh, who was the guy that was on before Tucker Carlson? Uh, Pat O'Reilly. Uh, that oh, O'Reilly yeah. uh, was, was starting into that. And then Tucker Carlson, in my view, just took it to a whole other level, right? Where it's not, here's the people he had on to talk about these ideas. Yeah. He was, he was source material himself. And yeah. that's a brand I think that he chose that he wanted to yeah. own these, own these ideas, which is why people will write things in the chat like they are that, you know, Fox News should be accused of elder abuse or Tucker Carlson <laughs> took, took my 96 year old grandmother from me. The, uh -huh. th these comments that I see people writing there are there. That's how people feel about it because he's not just pointing to ideas. He is saying, I believe these are legitimate ideas that you too should hold. So he was recruiting people into holding yep. these ideas. And some yep. are harmful and like replacement theory and, and all that. And some are just stupid. Like, this is sort of a poetic end to his uh, career. His final story on his final show, I don't think he knew it was going to be his final show, uh, was uh, him promoting this special that he put together called Let Them Eat Bugs. And it's this wow. conspiracy theory that he's been peddling that the global elites want us peasants to uh, replace our meals with bugs. And really? I don't know... I don't know why this is even a thing. 
why he would spend so much time. I mean, this is one reason to fire the guy. Like, he created a whole documentary about bug eating conspiracies. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. Maybe just on cause. Now, what he probably got fired for was being a major player in a $785 million lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And the things that he said about the people who own and run Fox News and the things that he said about the former press, like he was, well, he was sort of outed for all kinds of, um, I'm not yeah. really in with these people. And so, um, well, or maybe, no, maybe I, it was I, part of a, part of an overall plan from Fox News to try to limit no. liability in the future. I, I don't know. What no. do you think? Listen, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all of them, Newsmax, OAN, all of them. The Common Good Network. <laughs> are businesses. They're businesses. Yeah. They're not, um, <clears throat> they are not house organs of the Republican Party. They are businesses. Now, what Fox News has done is it identified what it thought was missing in the market, i.e. a right-leaning, conservative um cable news station uh, it was accurate they were accurate in identifying that that was missing in the market or at least the perception that that was missing in the market they created that solution it drew it has drawn viewers viewers drive you know uh, advertising rates and that drives revenue like that is the purpose okay. now when you have hosts talking about you know, the stolen election fraudulently, and that opens you to lawsuits, which you then have to settle for hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, that's not good for business. It doesn't have anything to do with the content. It has everything to do with the exposure to the bottom line. And, like, it's not good for business. Tucker Carlson... Now, I don't think... I don't think Tucker Carlson was let go because of, you know, he, you know, texted some mean things about Donald Trump or he, you know, allowed people to speak untrue things on his show about about Dominion voting systems. He was let go because there are several credible lawsuits in the works, some that have already been filed about how he created a toxic work environment, a hostile work environment, picture inappropriate pictures, language, sexual harassment, all of the stuff that you could imagine that this guy would have in his, in his, you know, I wish I was a popular frat boy kind of like dressing room, like that. All of that stuff existed. And Rupert Murdoch, who, you know, owns Fox News, just realized, well, I mean, he's always realized, but he just paid out a huge sum of money because he was liable and exposed by this lawsuit. Tucker Carlson was let go because he has exposed Fox News to further lawsuits and... And that's going to cause a a decrease in their bottom line, like because they're going to have to pay out, 
and it's a business like that's yeah this, this is no moral victory that tucker carlson was let go this isn't like a yeah i mean mm-hmm. i'm like i'm thrilled about it and i think we should celebrate he wasn't let go f- like you know for any right. good reason other than rupert murdoch doesn't want to have to settle another huge lawsuit but the but the that uh, okay, that that could be true, but on the business, if if you're just sitting down with a business decision, <laughs> he should have been let go for this. He should have been <laughs> let go for this story. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, if you, he did a if complete. You're not watching the video. You did a complete other, uh, show on uh, the collapse of testosterone levels in men, and the solution being that men should suntan their genitals. It tr- truly did that. He really this did. This is a like, real like, thing as, yeah. that a professional, quote-unquote, journalist did in America. An entire, yeah, that an entire team did. And look, if it, I, I hear you, Rob, but there, has to, there had to be a culminating event. And maybe it is that Fox just said, you cost us a lot of money and we're cutting our, our profits as well because we know getting rid of you is going to cost us money that's the problem i have with the sheer business solution yeah, well uh, understanding of this because he was the number one um revenue producer in the network so th- when that kind of thing happens now now maybe there's i know his producer is going to be on some other shows today and she's coming out and has some revealing things about how things were going there so so maybe it was going to become some further uh, lawsuits that they, you know, they don't have anything to do with Dominion or all the rest of it. But when it's, you know, it's the same thing when it was Pat O'Reilly. When Pat O'Reilly, am I saying that right? What's the guy's name? Pat, no, Pat O'Reilly, basketball coach. Yeah, Pat Bill Riley. O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Thank you. By the way, I have been up since 3 a.m. Uh, Eastern mm-hmm. time because I started my day in Washington, D.C., and now I'm already home in my in my bunker basement in Minneapolis. So I might be a little slow yeah. on the on the upswing. Something more is going on is all I'm getting at because yes, Tucker Carlson is. was the cash cow and Norm, they stuck with the guy yeah. through there's all a, of this. There's a headline yeah. on, there's a headline on the Drudge Report right now, paper uh, exit related to new discrimination suit. Like this is about uh, lawsuits okay. that are being filed against Tucker Carlson. Okay. Yeah. So that, 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 that makes, and, that, that does and make And Rupert Murdoch is like, I just had to pay Dominion a whole lot of money, nearly a billion dollars. I can't do this again. Yeah. Well, he's going to because the problem is, I mean, <laughs> the, dam- the damage was done, right? Like, you know, yeah. it's like you just finished so, the meal and then you're like, hey, we can't, we can't pay that bill. I'm not paying here's that. Here's the question. No, you, you ate and you're paying the bill. Here's the question. Tucker's out. Is Tucker going to be in? Well, boy, wouldn't this be something? What if Tucker Carlson comes out and says, I too, like Joe, announce my candidacy for the presidency of the United States of America. Therefore, you can't sue me. You can't you can't get me on anything. I, I know how this works. I can't be bothered with this because I am a presidential candidate. I don't think T- Tucker Carlson has any interest in running for president, but um, it just isn't, it's not profitable. I mean, even the, you know, the, the indicted criminal defendant, uh, failed businessman who couldn't manage to run a casino and make money, realized that in the end, it's just not a it's just not a winning proposition for for guys like Tucker Carlson. Like he's he's has no ability to put a put a team. He doesn't have enough money to fund himself. He doesn't have an apparatus to to fund him. I I cannot imagine. Maybe he could jump on somebody's you know 
vice presidential ticket though you know maybe nikki haley picks tucker carlson or something like that and announces oh, early and says <laughs> says uh, you know because then it'd be a little nick and tuck and that would be just a great <laughs> i just made that up right now by the way um little nick and tuck for uh you know for office uh thing so i i could see that but i can't imagine him taking taking the lead on it but if look if it's true that he was just fired for bad bad behavior and he can stay the culture warrior that he is holy moly he could be valuable to a lot of people because that audience yep that audience might stay with him and who knows he might pop up a uh, you know tuesday wednesday thursday live stream um it, it yeah. actually could well, be and he's I, probably going to find a way to play the is. victim in this be the martyr in this that fox news you know was unfair to him for speaking the truth to power he's going to spin this and make money off I, it, it. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, I have a, I have a sort of bellwether friend that I talk about a lot of this stuff with. And I, I said to him, so, you know, what, what do you think is going on with, with Tucker Carlson? He said, well, they just, they just collapsed and gave in to the pressure from the left. Who's trying to silence everybody. <laughs> right. That's it. And, yep. and, I, and I, and I said to him, you know, I said, why, why is the right so fragile? Why do they so easily get pushed around? Why are they such snowflakes <laughs> that they can't stand up? to the wily ways of the left, you know, that they even make Fox News. He said, yeah, I don't know. That's that's the big question. How come these conservatives can't be more can't be more tough? Like literally now saying Fox News is too woke and can't and couldn't stand up, couldn't stand up to the woke pressure. Like, wow, that is just a there is another explanation for all things you know it's really quite stunning all right so is that enough on tucker are we are we tuckered yeah, out here? tucker is out tucker but biden out. is in biden. joe is in now okay so it was announced this morning by the way if you're just getting this news now um this is a this is official it's as official as releasing a video makes something official because what they did as a campaign was i think at 6 a.m eastern time mm -hmm. they launched a video announcing his 6 candidacy. 6 a.m. Eastern time. The only no time, the only people that are up at that time are news <laughs> oh. reporters. Yes, that's why they did it. No. They wanted to be the top of the news cycle, and that's what it is. Our and dad's so getting their kids to school. Yep, it, oh. it lands at the top of the news cycle, and that's it. But what I find, find interesting is the use of a produced i think it was three minute long video which i watched um and it's whatever it's fine you know i mean when you've if you've ever pr produced videos and done edits whether it's for a slideshow for you know a family trip or a, a a memorial service or you know your your phone does it for you automatically about the summer of 2021 you just like uh, it's kind of interesting based on the cuts and the angles and the music and the pacing and but it no one's moved by a three minute video to behavior and action i just found it curious that it wasn't joe biden standing in front of a huge crowd of screaming people cheering him on and saying kamala harris and i have work to finish in this job please let us finish the job because that's their theme their theme for the for the launch of the campaign is uh finish the job or the job's not done or something like like as if the end of a second term for him is the end of the job like what we've saved the soul of america anyway i think it's a little confused and i i don't understand why they would use a video to announce this it yeah. it seems um 
Yeah. You know, and maybe now they're out on every news channel. Maybe they're having big meetings somewhere. Maybe they're having big rallies. But boy, it seems like you would want to just pull Air Force One up, have the guy walk off the Air Force One, and make take a big off deal out of it. <laughs> yeah, like he flew the plane. Yeah, take the aviators. I mean, put the put the leather jacket on, aka Bush style. You know, and take the aviators off and stand with the plane in the background and be like, "Hey, I've been really busy, but I want you all to know, I'm not done yet." You know, I move a little slowly. I couldn't get it all done in two and a half years, so I think I'm going to need another four. Uh, give me a, get, get. I'm just shocked that the way they choose to roll this out. And I think maybe other presidential candidates have done the same, or presidents when they're running for re-election do it the same. Like, hey, let's just let's just make this quick and dirty. Yep, I'm uh, I'm running again, but I, I'm I'm back to the office. You know, I've got work to do. Like they want to get their sleeves rolled up and be busy working and all the rest of it. But I was a little surprised that the big announcement today was officially made via a video. I just think, okay, um, here we go. All right. So I am squarely in the 70% of people who uh, did not want Joe Biden to run for president again. Um, I believe that he has had a shockingly successful term as president of the United States. I didn't have high expectations. I I said often that I never imagined I would work so hard to get a president elected that I barely want to be president. That's how I felt about Joe Biden. Yeah. But the alternative was so um so unacceptable that that I was willing to put in that work. The first year of Joe Biden's presidency deeply disappointed me, and I thought he was going to be tagged with um, the brand of someone who couldn't get stuff done, who had the best intentions but couldn't get anything accomplished. I thought the pullout of Afghanistan was going to be, you know, the the signature thing that that you know carried his uh, his presidency. Um, Somehow, in the second year of his presidency, he turned it around. And time after time after time, President Biden delivered on big things, got stuff done, and completely reshaped my thinking about him and his effectiveness. And I, I mean, I remain critical of a number of things. But I think Joe Biden has been a fantastic president, and I kind of wish he'd go out on top. <laughs> <laughs> Quit on a high note, Joe. I I think I can. I, I maybe I just consistently underestimate Joe Biden, and maybe I'm doing it again as I look forward to 24. I don't think I don't think it's going to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. Um, man, I it just feels like you know, Gavin Newsom is like is you know is you know trying to be Joe Biden's understudy if he has to step out. I just I think. Listen, I will support Joe Biden again. He's been a shockingly good president. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, welcome aboard. Uh, yeah. Common good. We'll be uh, doing all we can to help uh, Joe Biden be be reelected. Um, 
because as you say, it's, um, it's just crucial because the other option is so untenable, no matter who it is. And mm -hmm. the, the Republicans just need to sit it out for another you know, half a decade here and think about what they've done to this country by continuing to support people like Donald Trump and, and the like. Uh, I've actually, I think he's, I, I, I never, I didn't think he had a bad first year. I think as the executive of the executive branch, he's done a terrific job. I think he's the right sort of personality and temperament for the job. You know, the president does a lot of things. They are the chief executive. They're also the head of the military. And they're all, they also play this role in the country as with the vice president, the only elected officials that represent everyone. No other elected official represents everyone in the country and all people who are within the borders of the country, right? Yeah. Not your senators, not your governors, not your house representatives, not your mayors. This is the only role. So that's a very important role in the country and how it, how it presents itself and how it's yeah. done. And I think he's just done a great job all the way across the board. I also wish, and it's too late for this, but this is our only day to say it since the announcement was just made. And by the way, Mr. President, you're welcome to come on here anytime if you're looking to reach out to some voters. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. I know, your people, you. I, I know your people watch this, you know, closely. So we'd, we'd, we'd love, love to have you on. Um, I just wish that we were at a, at a place in the country where the conversation will be different for the next two and a half years, about yeah. the next 20 years. And because it's going to be the re-election of an incumbent who ran by his own statement because he believed that Donald Trump was such a hazard to the well-being of the planet and everyone who lives on it, that he needed to run and thought he had a unique role to play. So we're still in the story that was that response, right? He didn't want to run at first in, in, 20, in 2020 and then made a decision by his own statements, his own campaigns. You know, he's been very clear about this. So what it does now is it keeps us in that space. It's not a critique, in my view, about how well he's done or not done. It just would have felt great as a country if the period of time from 2015 through 2024 could have been a period that then we moved moved beyond and the energy of the country could have started having additional conversations and we could be done with trump and we could be done with biden and that's the grief i feel is not that joe's running or that you know kamala harris again you know has to be the vice presidential and rather than the presidential candidate if she wanted to be not about that stuff at all it's just about boy it really felt like we could have you know swapped out an era been done with a period and look it's possible that donald trump will not be the the presidential candidate candidate because as you know criminal defendant doesn't pair well with you know <laughs> uh, presidential presidential candidate and 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 he's now it looks like you know funny willis from georgia this summer is going to be moving forward on indictment charge and then whatever's going to come at the federal level. So it's going to be like very likely two or more indictments of the due to the behavior of, of Donald Trump. So that's not going to prevent him from being nominated by the Republicans. Now he, if he chooses to be out, if he chooses not to continue his candidacy for some, for the, for the uh, endorsement that, that, that could do it. But boy, I just think at this point, barring that, and that's still my bet. I've still got my money on, you know, 
read three here that Trump is going to be handed a plea agreement that wraps mm -hmm. up all of his charges into something that includes not running, not holding public office ever again. And that'll be a negotiation that'll be going on and he'll step away and he'll do it too late. And that'll, that'll be a real problem for the Republicans and the Republican system. I think that's what's going to happen, but that's just really fever dream stuff. That's just, that's just wishful. <laughs> that's just, you know, toes up on the beach, wishful thinking. Um, but, but, but nonetheless, here we are, we got Joe Biden, Joe Biden's running again, which means for the most part, other people seeking the Democratic nomination, you know, set aside a, an occasional Williamson and Kennedy, other people are not going to be running. And what that will do on the upside, and I had a good conversation with my friend uh, uh, Bishop um, in Washington, D.C. last night, and she made a good point. She said, I think that maybe it'll be a chance for the Democratic Party to rally together and to sort of set aside some of the other uh, issues that go around when people are thinking about running for president and let the party sort of unite around Biden and get moving and, 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 and all the rest of that. Um, I happen to think nominating, uh, seasons are good for a party though. I think they're good for a political campaign. I think they're good for the work mm -hmm. that has to be done. It causes clarification. It get, lets people share a lot of ideas. It just, it's just a good thing. I mean, I think people being challenged for the seat that they're in is, is very good and positive and smart. And I yes. wish it could happen more often, not, not less often, but that's not the case either. So, so here we go. Uh, it's going to be Biden Harris versus someone. So if you had a Biden Harris t-shirt, hat, sticker, they're, they're 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 back in vogue. They're back in uh, in. If you wear one around now, you're not just looking like it's you know the summer of 2020. You're looking like it's the summer of 2023. So uh, you know, pull out the tank tops, pull out the t-shirts and the yard signs. You are you are living free. in the future, oh. and none of this has <laughs> happened yet. And none of this has happened. Yeah, good one. Hey, uh, <laughs> here's here's the other thing that comes with incumbency and reelection. There's no question if you're going to be the candidate or not. Right. Like it's, it's settled. So you do yeah. on the other side it's of good. my little, like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good to work for it in the preseason. Um, the, the upside is it's just all, all, all work yes. is going in the same direction. So <laughs> yeah, at a least few there weeks, will be that. A few weeks ago um, on this podcast, Doug, when, when you, you were away somewhere, um, Dan and I talked about, and we looked back through historical records that you know in the modern era a incumbent president running for their second term if they get a primary challenge they what has happened every time is they win the primary challenge and they lose their reelection bid uh happened to Donald Trump with Bill Weld who frankly <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what's funny about that is Thank that you, Bill. Bill Weld was the weakest of all of the primary challenges. And, you know, the pattern stayed true. Happened with Jimmy Carter, uh, who was primaried by Ted Kennedy. Um, happened, by happened to Gerald Ford, who was primaried by Ronald Reagan. Uh, you know, it just, this is, it happened to George W. Bush or George H.W. Bush, who was primaried by Pat Buchanan. Uh, it just it this is what happens if you are president running for re-election and you get a primary challenge yeah like especially if it's a legitimate if it's a legitimate yeah. challenge yeah. yeah right and so the question becomes is marianne williamson um 
is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., both of whom have announced that they're primarying uh, Joe Biden. Um, are they are they fringe or are they are they legitimate challengers? That like some people would say Bill Weld was never a legitimate challenger to Donald Trump, even though I mean Bill Weld did end up winning a delegate or two and um, you know carried ten percent or so. Um, you know it. If does Marianne does Robert F Kennedy Jr. like do they do they rise to the level of legitimate challengers, and if they do, will Joe Biden be able to buck history yet again, which mm-hmm. he's been able to do, and so you just maybe it's my view you know, that that on the level of candidates that are that are Marianne Williamson and Ken, and Robert Kennedy uh, on this they're they're more like the other fringe candidates that are always trying to primary. I yeah. just don't think they have, they, they don't have the party um, ear the way that the other people you mentioned did. Bill Weld might be a little different, but there were all kinds of people who were saying that they were not supporting Trump, you know, inside the Republican party. He lost, he lost support, which normally happens with a, with, with a primary. So yeah, I think he's safe on that front from those two. If I guess now, if in, in the next few weeks, somebody with some prominence in the party, because mm-hmm. look, Marianne, who I like very much and we've had in our work and have done things with her and so on. And, um, she just, she, she is not an insider to the, to the democratic system. She was on a, right. I mean, she, but she was on a debate stage, uh, at a few debates in 2019, 2020. She was, she, she was a bit around, but, she didn't, you know, she left that, left that, uh, system or that process saying the system is not for me. I'm out. She didn't want to be seen as a, as a Democrat. So, um, you know, if, as long as it's not Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or, you know, Pete Buttigieg or some, somebody with some inside the party mm-hmm. political sway, I think, yeah. I think Biden's going to be, I think Biden's going to be fine. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the what what the attitude about the election is in by the time we get to 2024. Like, yeah. are, are the because we had historic numbers and turnout, partly because Donald Trump was such a disaster and COVID made it possible for so many more people to vote because of not in person voting demands. It'll be curious to see how much of that holds over whatever it was, 160 million people voted or some crazy number, you know, like just, just bonkers. Is it going to be up upwards of that? Or is it going to be closer down to the 140, you know, 130 million yeah. people? That'll be the, so not, I'm not talking about just voter turnout for Democrats. I'm talking about just overall f- interest in, in the election. Like it was the election of 2020 is probably going to go down as the, the most culturally Im- well-known and understood election presidential election this country has ever had there were more people who knew more about the candidates than any other time (laughs) Uh, i don't think i don't think it'll ever be matched again i mean all the conditions just the lockdowns going on at the same time where people were literally not as busy (laughs) like just truly not like doing all the things you normally had to do um it's it's going to be it's going to be something can biden in this aid can his team can the biden team capture up an imagination that says to people, this is, this is great news. This is, this is wonderful. Yeah. We want you to be president. Will people care about who's president? 
Now, I think incumbency comes with 4%, 5% uh, like built-in boost. It's like home field advantage. Totally. Like people are just like, like I don't know, just yeah, go with home, the guy. Yeah, yeah. The home field, the home team gets three points in the point spread. Like yeah. just yep. that's home field advantage. But does a, does a candidate like Biden need a candidate like Trump to mm-hmm. turn people out, to get people riled right. up? Like if yeah. he's running against a Nikki Haley or a DeSantis, does it mm-hmm. like yeah. actually hurt Biden in that yeah. people right. aren't as excited or as worried about the alternative? Because people were just rightfully terrified that Trump would be president for another four years. And yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's an excellent point. And look, yeah. and and does yeah. does it matter in the five or six states that do seem to be up for grabs? Does it yes. matter in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Arizona? Does it matter in those in those places it, to the same to the same degree? Because frankly, you know, how much it matters to motivate people in California or New York or Texas or Florida or Ohio, those are sort of baked in and yeah the trends and the behaviors of people in the states that kind of matter right now because we still have an electoral college system by which we elect the president really does favor Biden. I mean, it's I've heard some Republican analysts and like insider people say we because of the Dobbs decision and because of the shift that's happening on public opinion around guns and how, how Republicans are bad on both of those issues to your average person, there is not a path to electoral college victory. Mm. Now, that was the same thing that some of us thought in, you know, early, <laughs> the early few days of November of 2016, right? Like I remember <laughs> having 538 open and like, there is no path to victory. Mm-hmm. But that was because there was no way Hillary Clinton was not going to win Wisconsin and Michigan. Like yeah. the blue wall was going to hold and then it didn't. So granted, yes, that's a, that's a true, true situation now. But um, that's also different than like winning an election is not the same thing as serving the American people well, right? Yeah. Can yes. the Biden uh, presidency be something that like is good for people and good for yeah. our American spirit and good for our politics. Can we get some lift under the wings and have people feel like, yeah, okay. All right, here we go. Now I will say that, you know, I have a lot of friends who felt that way about Obama's election as I did. And I have a lot of people that I know and love who felt that way about Trump's election. They felt great. And the people who felt great about Obama hated the Trump years yep. and 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 the other way around. So I get it that we're not in a place where e- either of those candidates being supported by their own supporters raised the whole country. Right. Is Biden as an incumbent re-election candidate somebody who can do that? That would be crucial. I, th- I that 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 would be a, a a real gift if the country could just feel better after an election in the fall of 2024. Yeah. And not and not feel. Do you and think, I, I know there's people who hate who hate Biden with the passions of a thousand Obamas. You know, they really <laughs> they really hate him like they hated Obama and that's yeah. just that. Well that's what I was just gonna ask. Do you get a sense that um you know your Republican bellwether friends that you kind of test the waters with has Biden been as bad as their fever dreams? Like he hasn't taken away the guns, he hasn't 
like opened the borders despite what Republican governors would say. Yeah. He's spent money on infrastructure that has benefited, you know, red states as much as blue states. Uh, jobs are coming back. Like, what are the horrible <laughs> things that they list off uh, when it comes he's to old. hating on Joe Joe Biden? He's old. He's old. Yeah. But on the policy <laughs> side, here's what the, and he, and he is. He is definitely old and he's owning it. And I'm appreciating that he's owning it. He's like, look, <laughs> this is a real thing. Um, but, and he's like, but it comes with some upsides, you know, <laughs> meetings are shorter. Um, here's, here's what they say. And you can just, you can just flip the, the fears of anti-Trump Americans and put it on to the fears of Biden. And that is, oh, you think if he gets another four years, you think that what he's done in these four years, because we know he really has more dastardly ideas up his sleeve. You give this guy four more years and China is going to own this country. His son's laptop tells us like, so they're not pointing simply to proof positive on data points. They're saying this is all a setup. Now, I, I, I would suggest to them, and, and I do regularly. Isn't that what you said about Obama? And how did that go? Was it really? <laughs> and and no, it's not. And you know, truthfully, we you have to, I say this to some you know people that you know, don't want Trump to be president as much as I do. Like, look, we 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 have to remind ourselves that the the four years Trump was president were bad enough to now we we don't have to we don't have to multiply it. Yes. Um, uh, it it was so so bad, and if you want to compare good versus bad, I think just do that at any point. Um, and and I think it's I think it's something that this election will actually get to do because what this election will do, and we've never had this in American history, as far as I know, Rob. Maybe you know, uh, maybe there was a point where it happened, where a president, the the previous president, runs against the current president who's running for re-election. So you have a four-year term and a four-year term to compare against each other. That's the upside to what's happening in this this election yeah, this time. Yeah, I'm trying right? to uh, – Grover Cleveland might be the one. I'm trying to think who beat him and who uh, – Yeah, the one time where a president lost re-election and then ran the next time against the person. That, I mean, okay. Yeah. So even if there's one, this is this is unusual. And this is this is something worth worth noting. We're going to have because now you're not going to have Biden saying, well, when I was vice president with Obama, let's compare those years. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, 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 let's compare. So Biden then actually gets to say, I have 12 years to compare. 12 years of receipts against your four years of receipts. And let's, let's see, let's see how it went. And I'm sure they'll do something like that or, and look, here's the thing that Biden's got going for him. He's got that Ronald Reagan test. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? Yeah. And that when people are like, yeah, remember the pandemic, blame Trump or not. I think you should for the way the America, America handled the pandemic, but that's what you're staring down, right? Is, um, is is that and the feeling that was in the country in those years and like hey do you all want to go back to that or or do you want to stick with what we've got well that's but that's i think the thing that could really like hurt biden is inflation if he doesn't do something that appears like he's doing go. something to fix it uh i think that's going to be the you know kitchen table issue that really comes back to haunt him yep
Because it's great the jobs numbers are up and you know the economy is coming back. Um, but if you can't afford to buy the same amount of groceries that you used to be able to, uh, yeah, that makes it a tough sell. Yeah. And, so, and the thing that's going to keep Biden or keep Trump from winning against Biden is that when Trump ran against Clinton, he was given so much free access in the media because he was more interesting and the media jumped on him and everyone, you know, it's documented and well known. And then he was the incumbent president where you get a lot of coverage, you get a lot of deference. There's a lot of news outlets that are not, are unwilling to give Trump their megaphone any longer, especially as he just mm -hmm. goes on the grievance tours and the nonsense yeah. and the lies about the election. And, and he's a criminal defendant and he's going to talk yeah. about things that are, uh, so he's not going to have as much media support and Biden will have the, the bully pulpit and the yeah. power of the, of the presidency. Yeah. If he can use it, I don't think Obama used it well in his reelection. I don't think he knew how to use, I don't think he should do what Trump did, which was literally run the convention out of the white house, which is a violation <laughs> of federal law. Like he literally did that. Yeah. Yeah. I um, remember that. And you can't, you, you know, so and nothing not happened. Go that There's far, zero but, repercussions. So yeah, in, it's, it's just a violation of what we agree on. It's not a law law, you know, <laughs> like, Yep. In the in the interest of history repeating itself, we have uh, in 1884, Grover Cleveland was elected president, Democrat, beat Republican James Blaine. In 1888, Benjamin Harrison, Republican, defeated Grover Cleveland. In 1892, Grover Cleveland comes back again mm. and defeats Benjamin Harrison. Um, but at this, in that election, there was also a third-party populist candidate, James Weaver, who got 8.5% of the vote. Oh, good for James. Um, and did and, Cleveland uh, win by something less than 8.5% of the vote? Yeah, he won by 3%. Um, oh, there you go. So, I mean, all of these elections between um, Grover Cleveland and Benjamin Harrison were very tight. Uh, but that is... That is one case where we had a uh, you know three rounds and uh, uh, you know the guy who won the first round came back and you know right so it's like Ali Frazier hey and, yeah. and look that can seem like a long time ago but I've uh, this came up in the podcast a couple weeks ago with Paul Wallace the astrophysicist that like in 1892 when that election happened again this house I'm sitting in was already here. This house was already built. Like, yeah, it's a long time ago, but it's also, you know, only as old as my house. So, you know, it's like modern history, modern periods of time. So maybe that's something we can take some take some uh, insight. Hey, can I tell you about the, uh, you know, we're doing this in and out theme. Can I tell you about my inn this week when I was over in uh, on, on uh, Capitol Hill? And uh, yeah. knocking on knocking on doors of the of the Congress people and asking them if they would support a particular bill that's called the uh, Do No Harm Act. Um, very interesting uh, process. I popped up a short little video about just how that's how democracy works. Um, but here's the thing: there is such an apparatus for lobbying, and I say that in the most positive sense of the term, right? Meaning, if you as a citizen want to go and talk to either the candidate them or the, the politician themselves, or more importantly, as we did, to their staff who actually advise the, the candidate or the politician on the, the policy that you're advocating for, it's much more important for the staff to be signed off on it before they give it to the senator or to the congressperson. There's an entire system to do it, and it's, it wants you to do it. 
it it's it's not like hey if you know the right people you could get an inside track you could make a thing work there's even an application that's that a bunch of an app so I'm that old you know I guess it's also like a 2007 <laughs> joke but there's literally an app for that that of companies that provide these services for organizations to do it or just individuals and when you're there if you've ever done it you're wandering around in the halls of you know the Rayburn building and and uh, you know the the office buildings of the Congress people and senators, and just a bunch of other people doing the same thing. And you're going up in the elevator, like, "Hey, what what are you guys doing here?" And they're like, "Oh, we're we're here on this one love uh, deal, or we're trying to uh, get Congress to care about the wild horses." Who knew? Well, I do do now that there's a real wild horse management problem in the West. Yeah, we'll talk about that sometime on this thing. But just like <laughs> average citizens. Fancy people, regular old people, just going in and, and meeting and you set up uh, half an hour meetings and you get to sit down and it's really quite, really quite wonderful. And then you leave like, well, I don't know if that did any good or not. You know, <laughs> you kind of you hope that there's, you know, uh, some outcome. It's not like you leave there with a promise. You're not a salesperson, you know, that just marked a sale and you're checking it off of your checklist and saying, uh, you know, accomplished. But I will say that we did get a commitment from, uh, Senator Tina Smith, the senator, the great senator from the great state of Minnesota, to sign on to this uh, this do no harm bill, which is related to religious exemptions that are often granted to people by courts to not have to follow the laws because of their religious, you know, their religion lets them be lawless. Um, <laughs> we're trying to trying to put an end to that, and she wasn't signed on, and we had a meeting, and she signed on. Oh, Excellent. All right. Now she was going to sign on anyway. It's just the, the staff had a, a person that was away on maternity leave, but we didn't know that. And so, but anyway, uh, she wasn't signed on. We had a meeting. She signed on. They, they might have forgotten about the it facts. if you hadn't showed up. Yeah. <laughs> These are just the facts. I mean, do what you want with the facts. If you if you want to be post factual, go ahead. Correlation. And be post I'm is just not saying causation, but but anyway, no. We showed up, yes. So you tell me, friends. Um, so if you want to we send report, your donation, you decide.com, we would uh, we'd love for you to do so. I'm in full circle um, with uh, Fox News stuff. Uh, yeah, so it, it's you know it's a it's a thing, and the this professional industry around lobbying is really something. And the difference between a paid lobbyist mm. and people like us is a lot. And it's a yeah. big difference. It's like the difference between grassroots things and well-funded efforts or big corporations and small businesses uh, does make a difference. But, um, you know, from Moms, Moms Demand Action, which was on the Hill, uh, was a lobbying group to uh, ad hoc group like ours that was 80 people put together to chase down one bill to, uh, you know, people that just work for the industries, you know, of whatever the industry is and and they're they're around there too so um the citizen function of congress is happening and i did meet with uh, the staff of ron johnson's office senator ron johnson a very um i think conservative overly conservative and not straight uh truth-telling uh person from wisconsin and that uh that didn't go well it was it was professional but it was also um tension-filled and uh, there, you know, you can, there's a real difference when you're in a conflictual conversation with a staff versus when you're trying to get someone to sign on to something that they want to sign on to. It's, yep. it is, uh, it is something. But we're going to keep up, and we're not going to let 
um, just because someone's a Republican and has had a lot of bad ideas that have gotten them to their elected office doesn't mean we're going to leave them there. We're going to continue to invite them to to do the good thing and make the right make the right choice and and uh, and do the right thing. Whether they choose to do it or not is not our responsibility, right? Yep. The, putting forth the invitation. Now that is, yeah. So. All right. Anything else we need to talk about today? I saw Alex wanting us to talk something about how people with bad credit scores or high credit ratings pay more for things. Yeah, that's yeah, that's dumb. Credit scores are dumb. It's credit scores are—they're uh, an abomination. How is it still a thing? How is that still? A thing? <laughs> it still it's a thing? only in America, and only for what the past thirty years. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. And checking no. your credit score hurts your credit hurts score? It. Yeah. What yeah, sort of not, racket is that? Or not having debt hurts your credit score? Right. <laughs> having Ridiculous. debt helps your credit score. Yeah. Just the So, ridiculous. yeah, the fact that the fact that Congress hasn't settled on this because it's the, because as to Alex's point and we we should probably do a whole show on this, but the implication of the credit score is where the problem is right mm -hmm. because if it's just yep. assigning to someone something that's like oh we're going to give you 142 and we're going to give you a 712 well, okay who cares but if the person with 142 doesn't have a chance to experience commerce in the same way that somebody with a 712 that's a problem so can some people like elizabeth warren and Katie Porter and others who've been working on this be able to put some limits so that something as opaque and ridiculous and unscientific as credit scores aren't used to interfere with otherwise fair commerce. Like we don't let someone say, oh, if you're a certain religion or a certain height or a gender, you're going to pay more for a loan than someone who's right. not that. That's that we don't let those rules happen. We've come up with this thing called credit scores, and people who know this about credit scores know that your zip code and the kind of car you own and other cultural things that are tied to those mm. things you don't get to discriminate against work against your credit score. Yep. Because we don't always know what goes into it. They just have been able to test these credit scores and know how, how it happens. So there's a lot that can that, that needs to be done about that. And uh, maybe we should put a lobbying group together and head over to D.C. and schedule a day and, and have a day it, yeah. on the Hill and go knock on some doors and talk to some staffers and talk about credit scores. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't. There's a lot of things about credit scores I didn't know. Okay, can I just tell you about what I know about wild horses to get this off my brain? I, I, met, I met with a guy. <laughs> I, if you don't have that Rolling Stones song running through your head, um, that's a U two song. Wild horses. No, I'm, who's going to ride your wild horse? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know U two songs. Um, yeah, but I'm sure it's a great one. By the way, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. By the way, I saw I saw a Bonhoeffer book in the church library at this church yeah. we had this meeting, and it was large, large and expanded print, and it. It was like his, his papers, and they were still. It was got to about twelve point type because that guy just yeah wrote a I, lot. Uh, did you see Bono while you were up on the hill? Was he uh, lobbying for anything? I don't know, but when I saw him on television at the State of the Union, I didn't recognize him because he looked like a cogety old man. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm currently reading his biography. I may it's have seen him. Fantastic. Is it? 
Okay. Shockingly I'm gonna give a, good. I'm gonna give a, a storyteller. Yeah. Oh man. He yeah. And I'm actually listening to it while I read it. Yeah, the audiobook is reads in my it cube. and there's sound effects and like it like at the same effects. time, like you have it's coming in your ears and your eyes are following on the page. Yes. Like you're yes. reading I'm it. doing that. Yeah. And well, it yeah, there's why not just pick one? Uh because I I I I want the both and experience. I'm a wow. Huh. I'm a big Bono fan. This. So you want a double I, dose straight I, from the fire hose. I, I want all the Bono I can get in my life. <laughs> you're, double, you're double dipping Bono. Um, hey, I, I think it's okay that I share this story. Uh, someone we know named Rob Shank said to me when we were in Oxford. <laughs> out his last name too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's I, call I him Rob. Total, I think he's Shank. totally good with it. We'll Shank. call him Rob Shank. Maybe, it, you know. Yeah. Maybe you know who he is. If not, look in our archives. You'll see some videos we've done with him. When we were in 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 Oxford, he said, "Hey, can I tell you a story about that theater over there?" He said, "I went. I, I was at an event on like innovation or something at this theater, and I was super into it. And uh, I went and I sat down and sat in my seat and was taking notes and really connected to the the presentation and all. And then um, they the presenters then said um and we have a special guest we want to talk about <clears throat> we want to have talk about some of this and uh, some of you know him his name is bono and the guy sitting next to rob stands up because it was bono <laughs> and rob didn't look over and oh. didn't pay any attention <laughs> he sat through 40 minutes next to bono oh. <laughs> Didn't, amazing didn't know who was. amazing He's like, it's the awesome. great he said i see that theater and it's the great regret of my life that i didn't i didn't do oh that's a great story so that you know oh. if, if he tells that story and then doesn't tell me not to i got to tell that story in this, in this that's moment. a great okay story. but here's the thing about wild horses yeah I was with a person. I said, "What we were meeting uh, about something else?" And I said, "What uh, what what are you doing here in in DC?" He works for a group that works in DC but lives outside DC. And he said, "Well, I'm in town for this. <laughs> I can't even say it. Like for this wild horses uh, event that's going on." And I'm like, "What are you talking? Like what about wild horses?" And he said, "Well, as it this is a group of people who advocate for the protection of wild horses in the West." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." I said, so what's going on? He said, well, federal lands have a federal requirement to produce places where horses can move freely and the horses need to be counted and there needs to be a system where they're, where they're managed, meaning they're kept up because the cattle industry wants their cattle, they rent public lands. They want their cattle to graze the lands. And then gas drillers want to drill the lands and neither the gas industry or the, the livestock industry, the cattle industry, like the wild horses. So they're always trying to get rid of as many wild horses as they can. And the way they do it is they gather them up into kill pens. Oh. They use helicopters to chase wild horses into these big metal gates and pens. Now, I just need to say to people, if you don't want to hear about what happens to horses, I'm not going to be overly graphic, but it's just what happens to them. And because they can't, quote unquote, process horses in the United States anymore because none of the meat producers will process horses, slaughter them, they 
send them to Mexico and Canada, and then Canada sends them to Japan, and they slaughter these horses. And people aren't keeping track of how many horses this is happening for. And turns out wild horses are familial pack animals who move in families until the mayor like moves on to a new family and they are sentient beings. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is the worst episode of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, Yeah. NPR did a story on this. It's just really NPR did a story on this. Yeah. Let's see if we can get there's like quotas and like, so even the legal way these ranches can like capture like acquire a certain number of horses per year and then like do what they want with them once they officially own them or whatever and just something else but and they so don't want the them there so they yes yeah, because there's nobody other than these small nonprofits that are advocating yeah. for the well-being of these wild horses. And, and so like, there's these little the nonprofits of- trying to like rescue these horses and find homes for them. Otherwise, they'll be slaughtered. That conference wow. is going on right now at the Yotel Hotel in um, on Capitol Hill. Y O T E L. That hotel. There we go. So I was like, well, well now, good for on the love. I gotta good care about to that because. Yep. I mean, it's look, I, I don't hunt or about. anything, and I outsource all my meat production. I'm, I'm my, my hands are, you know, I keep my hands clean on that. I don't do it. I don't do it. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, uh, horses, wild horses, couldn't, can't we, can't we please just figure out how not to do horrible things to wild horses? Like there just feels like there's some things that you can say to the cattle ranching industry and to the drilling industry, like, come on, be good yeah. to the horses. For the love. Now, and look, I don't know. Maybe if you hear a cattle person, they're like, look, that's the way Americans talk about kangaroos when they go to Australia. And Australians are like, oh, those kangaroos are like squirrels that just eat your stuff and they're they're everywhere and they're really troublesome, right? If you ever talk to an Australian, they're like, <laughs> hey, we like our kangaroos, but don't don't be fooled. They're not quaint and cute and they're not koala bears. But come on, wild horses are one of the great notions of the world right that there's horses living on their own out in the wild how cool yeah. is that and yeah. beautiful can i just say that i i, I don't want to switch don't gears to too much here as yeah, we well, please as we do actually up, but. sure um i just glanced at my calendar and uh my next meeting is uh with uh, a guy named jim and another person named jordan <laughs> and my calendar says meet with Jim Jordan, and uh, and I just had a I just had a moment of like whoa what uh, you know, what uh. and uh, yeah and then I realized what it was but yeah hey you know I got a, I literally got a call from I could open my phone right now to my call list and show you ooh, um, ooh. Uh, it's a fun game I, yeah it is a fun game um, uh, recent suspense is suspense this is great radio yes yeah, it's great radio. Wow. Who's the most famous person you've talked to recently? Yeah, it's not on the screen. Clay Clark. Clay Clark. Clay Clark and the run the events that, you know, Michael Flynn runs, the Christian nationalist, Clay Clark's <laughs> brigade of yes. super nonsense in, in, to in super nonsense in Miami. Yeah, yeah. Clay Clark you were being called me. To attend? Yeah. 
No, I, I tried to sign up for tickets because we might go yeah. down to and do a thing and you have to literally talk to someone on the phone and I haven't answered any of their calls since that happened a week ago because I just <laughs> make them call me a thousand times. And then yeah. it's always yeah. the kind of the same number. And then this call the other day, yesterday or Friday was Clay Clark himself. <laughs> They're that desperate, apparently. This is this is the one that Trump is going to be again, at. You have day. to take that call. Yeah, you have yeah. to. Yeah, we'll yeah, go live sure. whenever he calls and just for sure. Yeah, yeah, I got to. I, I have to. I have to be ready. They'll, they'll call some point today because they call multiple times a day. Oh, um, trying to trying to sell tickets. So to a small little group of people, yeah, that's that's a very similar thing. And I'm like, hey, if I've got a meeting with Ron Johnson, you're meeting with Jim Jordan. I got Clay Clark on me. We have <laughs> we cracked the code. We are we are inside the matrix with these wackos. And if you don't know who any of those people are, all y'all, God bless you. And yes. you know. Um, yes, uh, we, we, on the other hand, uh, do. All right. Well, uh, tomorrow, Dan, we have a, we have a guest, right? On the, uh, on the, the faith edition of, of the common good podcast. I believe we do. Yeah. 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 So, we'll, so we'll be on tomorrow and we'll be on Thursday and, yeah. um, thanks for the extended, uh, extended period today. How long did we go? Like an hour and 20 minutes? How long was this yeah, whole we're thing? Pushing an hour 17. Hour 17. Oh. About 14 minutes of horse content. So... <laughs> I had a couple minutes oh, of cat content at the beginning. About, so. four, <laughs> about fourteen Just, minutes of horsing around and a little, uh, <laughs> a little cat claw, and apparently a story about what happened to Rob Shank. Well, this, I mean, you don't, you, look, you don't just get out. this. You don't tuckered out. <laughs> hey, I got to run. Me and Joe, I got to run. Um, uh, all right, thanks all right. everybody thanks, in the chat. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Alex, uh, Kimberly, Jim, Anna, Dave, Diggs. What's up? Trishy, Fanny, and Jim. Uh, congrats Jim on the dollar uh, ninety nine super chat. I don't know what that means exactly. It's from YouTube. Um, I don't know either. $1. But thanks $1. for that. Chat. Yeah, that's great. Hey, and if you like this, or you think you might know some people who like it or like portions of it, uh, send it to them uh, with our YouTube like link. Head over to YouTube, find it, and uh, send it along to them. And you know, just some people just put it on while they're on the treadmill. Talking about you, Joe. Carson, um, and uh, and some people, you know, they sit down and make an appointment watching. They they're Take like, notes. yeah, we should really white we, <laughs> we should watch or put the transcript on, listen to it, and read it at the same time, like Rob Ryer see <laughs> and a pile book. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, all right, bye, bye, everybody. Bye.